0: Good afternoon. Um, As returning officer in the leadership election, I can confirm uh, that we have received one valid nomination.
1: That was Sir Graham Brady, chair of the 1922 committee, announcing that Rishi Sunak would be the next leader of the Conservative Party last year. This week, we learned that Brady will not be continuing to contest his seat after the next election a blow to Sunak, and a big piece of news in politics in Greater Manchester. This is the Manchester Weekly from The Mill. Daryl is off this week, so I'm here with Jack Delhanty, The Mill's longtime staff member. Hello, Jack. Hey, how are you? So, so I've come back from holiday. I've been in the US. And on my desk, you guys had saved me a copy of the Guardian. And in the main Guardian leader, which I think was Monday's paper, um, there was a, a mention of not only the mill but also our sister newsletters in Sheffield and Liverpool, the Tribune and the Post, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. Did, did, when did you realise that they'd given us a mention?
0: Well, Dan from the uh, from the Tribune put it in our group chat. I was blissfully unaware. Weekending as I do, uh, and then I got the notification. I was like, "Oh, that's nice." And yeah, was it? Yeah, it, was it was exciting that they uh they mentioned all three. Definitely.
1: Yeah, it was. It was mad that they mentioned all three. It was an editorial about uh, local news and and what you lose when local news declines. Um, but. But yeah, they mentioned us as like one of the hopeful examples for local news, which I thought was really, really good. Um, okay, so in this week's episode, um, which I am doing from the office and you're doing from a different part of the office, um, in this week's episode, we're going to talk about local politics, a big local MP who's stepping down. we uh, going to talk about leaked WhatsApp messages and what they show us about how politics is done, in particular, a, a case relating to, to Barry. Um, we're going to be talking about a hospital that badly needs to be rebuilt. Um, and and the future for that. And um, a few other little stories as well, including a, a huge new um, event space, um, beer garden, you know, sort of Freight Island style venue that's being created in Manchester. But Jack, let's start with the first story. Graham Brady, Sir Graham Brady, um, he's the MP for Altrincham, Sail West, has been for many, many years. He's also one of the most high profile Conservative MPs um, because he has been the chair of the 1922 Committee of of Tory MPs, which is is essentially their group that represents all the backbenchers. So he is the guy to whom letters go in when Tory MPs want to get rid of their leader. Um, He's very, very high profile, but he's not going to contest this seat at the next election. What is going on here? What's the story?
0: Yeah, so as you say, Graham Brady's been the MP in and matteo West since 1997. So for some people my age, he's been the MP for their entire lives. So it's crazy to think that he will be uh, <laughs> will be stepping down. And this is a story where some people are... It's surprising in some ways and it's not surprising in others. So in the ways that it's surprising is, as you said there, Brady's enjoyed like a glittering career in the Tory party. He's the chairman of the really influential um, 1922 committee. He has mostly been a backbencher he had like a brief foray on the front benches he was David Cameron's uh, shadow secretary for Europe for a little bit but he's also as you alluded to there he's achieved almost minor celebrity because of the number of sort of no confidence letters that he's handled uh, over the past few years with everything that's gone on with Brexit, Partygate, um, Liz Truss generally he's like he's really risen as you say to to a level of seniority but despite that prominence, it's also not hugely surprising that he's looking at stepping down when you look at the national context. I think, you know, they are 20 points behind in the polar polls on um, on Politico, which is a really good one. And, the well, again, despite his prominence, the seat that he's in, it, it has a demographic in Trafford. Um, it's Aldringham and Sarah West that's sort of swinging towards Labour and the Greens. His own, um, you know, like the Aldringham Ward has gone all green. It's a Labour council... The population there and the demographics are all sort of spinning that way, so from that perspective, it's not very surprising at all. But it does have the um, potential to be quite quite consequential. Like recently, William Raghu who was Brady's um, deputy chair of the 1922 committee, he stepped he announced that he'd be standing down at the next election as well. So these kind of really influential MPs in Greater Manchester. Uh, influential Tory MPs in Greater Manchester standing down, might send alarm bells uh, ringing for other Tories in the region, definitely.
1: And it also makes it much harder for the Tories to keep these seats, right? Because if you've got a well-known incumbent, you know, you're know you more likely to hold on to your seat in a, a big Labour landslide um, than if you're some newbie who p- most people in Trafford haven't heard of. So it almost consigns that seat to Labour... Um, in a way where, like, you don't know what would have happened if he'd stuck around. Yeah, um, you... You, you've you've been chatting to Rob Ford about this, haven't you? The Professor of political science at, at University of Manchester. You've been speaking to him about these sort of um, the, these demographic changes, etc.
0: Yeah, and what you talked about there was something that Rob was talking about, the idea of the sort of incumbency bonus, which is kind of like if when you're quite established as an MP in an area and you've helped people over many, many years, they, they, don't necess- they aren't always necessarily voting for you because they support the Labour Party. They just support you as an MP who they know and who's been around for a very long time. And that's a very difficult thing to replace with anyone, really. The, the only way that you could really replace it... In some ways, if you had a long-term council leader, um, for example, who was going to take the mantle of MP, but the problem for the Tories in uh, Trafford is obviously they don't run the council, so they don't have a council leader. In fact, they've been almost equally um, consigned to the past in local politics as well. They they were completely destroyed. in Well, they, they lost the council in 2018 and they had an awful year at last year's local elections as well. So they can't really substitute someone who the uh, the local population will kind of support and recognise in the way that they do uh, Gray and Brady.
1: Yeah. And, and and the demographic changes are interesting because the kind of young professionals who now um, support tend to support the Labour Party, that is a group that is growing and growing and growing around Altrincham and um, in some of the towns in Trafford. And that is not yeah. a, a demographic that goes for the Tories very well. So you can sort of see how the the changing nature of the borough makes it harder and harder for the Conservatives there.
0: Yeah, and especially when you think that one time Trafford was the the Conservative Party's, like, quote-unquote, northern flagship. I think we, in a, a newsletter recently where we actually kind of said, it was after the uh, by-election that Andy Weston got um not uh, he he got in as MP. What what was the area? Yeah, what was the area again?
1: Uh, Stratford and Armstead. It was I think he yeah, was Stratford for and
0: Armstead. Armstead. That one of our sources literally said you know in regard to um, Graham Brady, he's massively at risk now in, in this sort of borough where uh, Labour can win by such big landslides and where swings are so massive. And yeah, we mentioned in that um, in that article that at one time in Trafford it was kind of a haven for for the Conservative Party in the North. It was almost like an old money Valhalla. There was lots of um, exactly the kind of Tory voters that you would expect, but that, that really has changed demographically.
1: Yeah, super interesting. Now, the next story we want to talk about, leaks WhatsApp messages, all these messages that came from Matt Hancock that have been released to The Telegraph um, via the journalist Isabel Oakeshott. There are some messages that have really angered people in Greater Manchester. They're to do with Bury, aren't they? They're to do with kind of um, threats behind the scene, not to fund um, a really important facility in Bury. What's all this about?
0: Yeah, so James Daly, who's the Tory MP for Bury North, um, wanted essentially a sort of learning hub uh, for disabled children in the borough. Um, And in messages between Matt Hancock and a special advisor, we see that the special advisor, whose name is Alan Nixon, um, this is at a time, by the way, where they were trying to get MPs to vote for a tiered COVID system, if you remember that, that sort of uh, tier of lockdown measures. And the text to Hancock reads, James, that's James Daly, wants his learning disability hub in Berry, And then they sort of, throw a hypothetical essentially where it says whips call him up and say health team want to work with him to deliver this, but that'll be off the table if he rebels against the tier system. That's not written in the text, but that's what he means. And then um then they suggest that the department seriously consider using it. And Hancock replies, Yes, one hundred percent. So it so, kind so of gives to, this-
1: to, to be clear, Hancock is saying to one of his advisors, Yep, I'm cool with you threatening this Berry MP, that if he doesn't kind of toe the line a bit more on on this upcoming, you know, vote. Um, if he doesn't give us too much of a hard time, uh, you know, that that will that that could determine whether he gets the cash. Um, yeah, for, it has a quid sort of... pro
0: quo quality to it, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, and in
0: light of the disclosure, of the ex-Conservative Party chair, that's Sir uh, Jake Berry, accused Hancock of weaponizing the provision of care to young disabled people, which is like a crazy thing to have said about you. But it ought to be clear there as well that while this was discussed in the WhatsApp group and it gives a really clear insight into how government works, uh, it wasn't actually something that Hancock or anyone else did. Um, They didn't actually threaten Daly with taking away that cash. In fact, he said on Tuesday, Mr Hancock or anyone else hadn't approached me at the time to say that if you don't vote this way, we'll take this off you. So they didn't actually action on that suggestion, but the fact that it was discussed is still uh, really quite damning.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think everyone assumes this is probably how politics works, like particularly if you're cynical about politics, that like really big issues, um, really important things that will, could affect people's lives are kind of kicked around like political footballs so that a a governing party can get more support for something or can get some good PR or can get a backbencher off their backs. But to see it, I think that's why these texts have been so powerful, to actually see it, just see the level of cynicism, um, the level of horse trading. It's, It's pretty repugnant. I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe this is the only way that politics can be done, but there surely has to be a better way of funding decisions about facilities like uh, you know, a hub for disabled children, disabled adults. There has to be a better way of decisions like that being made than um, these fairly immature, power-hungry people WhatsApping each other about who can we threaten and who can we bring on side. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't inspire confidence in politics, does it?
0: No, not at all.
1: Now, next up, Afzal Khan, the MP for Gorton, has been speaking in the Commons about North Manchester General Hospital. What's this about? Because I I don't think we've discussed this on the the podcast so far, but there has been this long-running campaign to rebuild North Manchester General because it is a hospital that is partly based in a Victorian infirmary. There used to be like a workhouse there. It's an incredibly old-fashioned looking facility if you drive past. Or you go past on the bus or whatever. What's what's what, what's what's gone on this week?
0: Yeah, so essentially Khan stood in the commons to ask why it hadn't been done yet, essentially. It's been in the in the pipes for a few years. And he said that just last month theatres were having to close in the hospital for six weeks due to ceilings collapsing. Um and he asked Stephen Barclay, who's the Secretary of State for Health, whether he'll commit to meeting with Beg. Bev Craig, the leader of Manchester Council, um, to discuss the rebuild and he said that he will but I think you've been speaking to um, clinicians at the hospital too, right?
1: Yeah, I mean I think a few months ago I spoke to uh, someone about this and they work at the hospital and they said, look, it, it it's actually of the hospitals nationally that needs to be rebuilt, not just like have have a, f- a new roof or whatever, but actually rebuilt. It is considered one of the highest priority cases based on like the government's formula. But the the go-ahead just isn't happening. So one person there told me that they're desperate to crack on with it. Um, and they told me, quote, if North Manchester was in hail, there'd be rather more noise being made about it. Um, this person said that, you know, Boris Johnson visited in 2019. You know, that's 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 almost four years ago now. Um, back then, the cost was estimated to be like 500 million. Now they reckon the cost would be, you know, 900 million. So the point, the person I made spoke to was like, costs keep on going up and up and up the longer you leave this the more it's going to cost and given that it's something that's clearly going to be done eventually it has to be done like this community can't have this hospital that's like victorian for very much longer um it's it actually makes no sense to keep delaying it that was their perspective so what we'll try and do is we'll try and get some more info for that um, for next week but it's um it's a really important story now, we've been following selections for, for various seats because obviously we know the general election is probably still a little while away, um, un- unconfirmed when it will be yet. But all the selections, so who's going to be a Labour candidate for here, who's going to be the Tory candidate, they've been going on recently. Um, we would, talked a lot about Bolton um, for a while, uh, Bolton Northeast, But now um, let's talk about Hayward and Middleton, because that is another seat that the Conservatives took at the last election Uh, Labour very keen to win it back. Who is going to be the Labour candidate for that seat, Jack? Uh,
0: Yeah, it's going to be a local councillor, Elsie Blundell. Um, They picked her at the hustings on Sunday. And as you say, she'll be uh, running for Haywood and Middleton, trying to return it to the Red Wall, so to speak. So that's uh, the kind of latest development on that.
1: Yeah, because there were two leading councillors in Rochdale who were sort of going for it. Hmm. and one of them was Elsie Blundell's husband i think um, both of them were sort of either ruled out or they sort of ruled themselves out and then it fell to a contest between her and someone else she's got it so you might hear her name mentioned quite a lot on this podcast and in the newsletter because that's going to be a very um, keenly fought over seat um just like the Graham Brady one in Altrincham was this one is Bolton Northeast it is Bolton Northeast isn't it the one the one i was talking about before it's not Bolton Northwest it's Bolton Northeast
0: yeah, BNE. I, I remember reading BNE a lot during all of that. Yeah, that yeah.
1: Was yeah. Going on. <laughs> so, listeners, what we're doing is we're starting to slowly prep you for the kind of politics stories that are going to be emerging as Labour tries to take back some of these Conservative seats in Greater Manchester. Now, this one was interesting, Jack. Um, there is a 250,000 square foot industrial space Um, which is going to be turned into a huge venue. We're talking Beer Garden. Imagine kind of Escape to Freight Island if you've been to that at the Mayfield Depot. I've been a couple of times. Um, What is is the game plan here? It looks absolutely enormous. Yeah, so it's called Diecast, and it's going to be built on an old diecasting
0: foundry between Store Street and Juicy Street, uh, near Juicy Street Warehouse. So it'll be
1: um, in the northern quarter. So where is that in comparison to Juicy Street Warehouse? Is that on the Piccadilly side or...? Yeah, it's on the Piccadilly side. So you're
0: kind of almost like opposite adjacent on this big old piece of industrial land. Um, where they're going to be building that?
1: I, um, yeah, I think I've, I, I, I think I've, I, I think I've been past it. I don't. Think, is it on the Piccadilly side or is it just around the back? But yeah, there there is a big sort of space there that I've always wondered, like what is that? So so, so that was a dying factory, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, die casting foundry.
1: But yeah, it's interesting, as you
0: pointed out, that there's just so many of these sort of big multi-use hub style venues that are opening. But what I also found interesting was the people behind it, Um, Avery Inc., which is a Preston-based sort of developer. But the directors are also involved in lots of other big restaurants in uh, in Manchester, and bars like Albert Sloss, Trough, Gorilla, Ramona, which is really popular, and the Firehouse, which is another really popular one. But what it reminded me, uh, it reminded me of a piece we did recently about whether Manchester's hospitality industry was kind of in trouble uh, after the closure of uh, cocktail, well, CBRB, Cocktail Beer, Ramen, uh, on, yeah, Cocktail Beer, Ramen and Bun. And what we actually found was that openings were on the rise, but with this group of kind of big time operators uh, consolidating their grip on having multiple businesses. So like you could kind of go for a bar crawl through Northern quarter and think that you've been supporting all these independent businesses, but you've actually been given all the money to one entity, so to speak. And I just found it interesting because it kind of flies in the face of the general perception that like Manchester's this patchwork of small indies and all that sort of thing. We actually have these single businesses owning multiple places and they are opening more and more and more and more.
1: Yeah, it definitely seems to be a model that people like. I guess it gives you like a bit more variety um, when you yeah. go out. Like you can do, do like various things in one place. Um, yeah. And I think that like, I think it spreads the risk a bit because different operators are kind of all taking a bit of risk in the in the venue as well. There have definitely been some suggestions I've read about in the past that these big things are like very, like they're not very operator friendly. So some of these small indies like have to really, really fight to make any money there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely sounds like a good new, good new thing. All for like more sort of um, big venues opening up in the, in the northern quarter. Now, um, Jack, I came back from holiday and within a few hours of sitting at my desk, you sent me an incredibly weird video that people in the office had been sharing. Seemingly everyone on Twitter has been sharing. It's had six million views on the tweet and like a million views on the video. Um, Before you describe it, let's play a clip. I'm in Lincoln Square and uh, it's near my offices, near the the confidential's offices. And what we've got is these raging bloody lunatics on skateboards, all desperately trying to break legs. I was watching a couple of pigeons earlier on, and they were all, oh, there you go, he's nearly broken his leg. Not one of these have been able to pull off any stunts so far, as I can see. And uh, there you go, there's another one who can't quite stand on it. A bloody mantle. Get him here now. Oh, go on, son. Go on, son, smash yourself to pieces. OK, Jack, we've heard that clip. What on earth is going on?
0: That was Mark Garner, who is the founder of the food site... Uh, Manchester Confidential and that video that he took went as you say completely viral on Twitter the other day and it, I mean it's a strange video I'll say as readers and listeners may know we wrote about Ghana last year this video kind of yeah I mean it got a big reaction but I don't think it was the one that he was hoping for
1: So, so this is him he goes to the square near his office and he's like videoing skateboarders and basically calling them losers, saying they're probably virgins. Do they have girlfriends? They're not even good at skateboarding. And I think he, did he start getting heat about it in Manchester? And then it, it's gone way bigger, right? There are just like skaters around the world being like, who is this boomer loser commenting on us or something? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah essentially. I mean, it stuck very closely to sort of the normal people who react to, to Ghana's tweets, so like the people who are in the Manchester hospitality scene that, that he's uh, very much a part of. But yeah as you say it it's kind of exploded uh there's like American uh kids basically just calling him a boomer and Sasha Lord has also given a free park live ticket to the to the guys in the video it's a whole it's got it's honey said garnered a real reaction then that would have been awful, but then I did so there you go um well I find what struck me as funny actually was I don't know if people might remember last year he did that tweet about Murray um And walking past that, and that's also in Lincoln Square. And he got a huge cannon for that. He got completely panned on Twitter. I think he should just avoid walking through Lincoln Square. Uh, But I think he kind of
1: loves it, right? Like, if you look at the replies, he's kind of like keep keep them going. He's looking at the analytics. Like, I think he's beyond caring whether people think he's a bit weird or think he's a bit old or think he's a bit out of touch or a bit offensive. Like, he just Mm. isn't he just sort of reveling in it. Yeah, 100%. I think he
0: replied to someone with the impressions on the tweet essentially saying like carry on because he had like 80,000 profile clicks or something like that. So again, it, it it works because he also then quite handily had the uh, a piece written on Confidentials about whether or not skaters are a public nuisance in his back pocket. So then he just started sharing that into the threads as well. Um, so yeah, it might have drawn a little bit of traffic.
1: Fair play to Mark Garner. He knows how to get engagements on Twitter. If you want to read uh, Jack's piece about Garner and the way he runs his um, restaurant empire, or his, or at least his restaurant reviewing empire, um, head over to the mill. Bad reviews. Has Manchester's restaurant scene had enough of Mark Garner? is the headline. Okay, we're through the stories, Jack. Um, normally at this point, Daryl asks me stuff that's going on in the newsroom and what we're working on, but I'm going to throw that question over to you What are we working on? What are we doing this weekend?
0: Well, this weekend we'll be back on Graham Brady because it's uh, you know it's quite it really is a big announcement for uh, such a big local MP to be standing down at the next election. Uh, But right now, as in from Wednesday's perspective, because that's when we record the podcast, uh, Molly's working on a piece about a co living uh, arrangement with some sort of older people in Manchester. And it's all about how older people in Manchester find places to live and this new sort of, uh, well, these plans that a group of older people are putting together um, to live in a co-op, which is really interesting.
1: <laughs> Jack, that I was... really sense you have not got your head around the story. <laughs> Listeners are just going to have to read it on the mail when it comes out. <laughs>
0: As you can tell, would that be, do, would that, would that be a fair? A I'm not an officer, Wig. <laughs> yeah, I hear the, <laughs> the odds and ends of conversations and then I try and piece them together later on a podcast. Thank you. Oh, well, yeah, that's, that's anyway, great.
1: Molly's wa- working on a great story. Um, the Graham Brady thing is going to be really good. Um, before we round off, though, let's do some recommendations. Um, I, my recommendation. Is, is Shakespeare North. So I haven't been to this Shakespeare North playhouse. It's not in Manchester, but it's, it's close enough that I think a lot, all our listeners could get there. It's in Prescott. I'm going this weekend to watch Shakespeare's uh, Comedy of Errors, uh, more or less. Um, it's described as Shakespeare's most bonkers farce and brought to life in the 80s. Expect mistaken identity, theatrical chaos, and belting musical numbers. I've actually never watched this play, and this sounds like a, a funny and like interesting take on it um so i'm going on saturday and that's um on for the next um i think it's on for the next couple of weeks and i just think like regardless of what show you go to it'd be a cool thing to to support this shakespeare north playhouse and jack what are you recommending for our for our dear listeners
0: uh i'll be recommending viva which is the uh spanish and latin american film festival at home uh There'll be all kinds of Latin and American films playing, and it starts on the tenth of March to the thirtieth of March. A uh, ticket starting at seven ninety-five. I love Home. I just said last this last weekend, but I'll, I'll definitely be dropping down for this this sometime this month. It looks really good, so I recommend that.
1: Jack, do you actually go to these things, or do you just sit at home on your phone in the dark reading long reads all weekend?
0: I do the latter. Uh, But I did go to home last weekend. That wasn't a lie. That wasn't like a (laughs) podcast-friendly statement that I was just making. So when you make time from reading,
1: needing 1995 New Yorker long reads by David Grant, you occasionally do go to things, right?
0: Yeah, definitely. But there is only brief windows of time between that, that, uh, that pastime.
1: In that case, why don't you recommend a long read that you've read recently for our listeners to get into, given that that is actually what you do in your spare time?
0: It's so easy. You should go and read David Grant's latest long read, which is an <laughs> excerpt from his book. Um, it literally came out the other day. It's called oh, I the saw Wager. that, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's so... Yeah, it looks great. The, but that, that excerpt is wonderful. Um, it's just about a boat, uh, a, a shipwreck in I believe the 1700s but David Grandy being classic David Graham he's found like the inner details of the lives of these just average completely just like you never would have heard of them otherwise but he's managed to locate all the documentation and the letters to, fa- to create these really amazing fully fledged versions of them so yeah read that on the New Yorker instead of going out don't leave your house just stay at home.
1: If our listeners aren't aware of David Grant, he's this American long-form writer He's um, been re- working for the New Yorker for a long time. I read an amazing book by him, "Killers of the Flower Moon," um, yeah. which was about it's about the, these these um, these people who um, uh, they were inheriting these oil fields. Um, I think it was in Oklahoma, from memory. I think it was in Oklahoma. So, the, and and the Osage Nation Indian uh, um, Indian um, nation in in Oklahoma, and. A bunch of them started dying and there was and, and he goes and tries to figure out what happened and and who was killing them etc so that was an amazing book he wrote that amazing long read about trying to find the was it the, the like the, the 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 giant octopus or um it was some, some yeah sort giant of, squid in, guy looking giant squid yeah the giant squid and he goes out with all these people in it they're like off the coast of new zealand i can't remember the details but it's an unbelievable read so yeah if, if you want to spend your weekends like jack talhanti spends his Turn off the lights, get into a comfortable chair, fire up your phone, and get some of David Grant's old um, New Yorker pieces out um, because um, he is he is an inspiration. Um, okay. Or to bring us to bring us 360 okay. back, you could just wait yeah. for uh,
0: Blood of the Flower Moon. So oh, what was it called again? Flowers of the Blood Killers
1: moon. of the Flower Moon. Yeah.
0: Can wait for that to just come out as a film at home because Martin Scorsese is doing
1: the film adaptation of it, starring Leonardo. Oh Campion, yeah, so I saw So you could just wait. That's the, that's the Bring other thing the oh, the, that's the other thing these long read they, these long read writers are getting all their stories and and, 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 and books turned into films um, so that's all the recommendations from us um, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Manchester Week from the Mail one little request is if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple or wherever you are if you could give us a little rating and even leave us a review if it lets you do that Uh, Be massively helpful because it helps us to spread um, the podcast around a bit. If you're on Twitter, absolutely love you to share it. Just like share a link to it or just talk about how you how you listen to it because that would be massively helpful. We're kind of in growth mode. We had our best ever month um, in February, most listeners ever. We're trying to have another record month. We really want to get it up to like um, a, a bigger number. Um, because we've got some really good fans now. If We'd just love it if you put it in your group chat or you put it on Twitter or told a few people about it, whatever. Um, thank you so much for listening. If you want to read more of our stories, we're on manchestermill.co.uk. If you want to support this podcast and everything we do and get all of our journalism in your inbox, you go to manchestermill.co.uk forward slash subscribe and just hit the paid option. Um, it comes out at, at like, you know, £7 a month or, um, you know, not very much money compared to to what what everything else is costing in the economy at the moment. Um, So thank you for listening. Thank you for reading. And we will see you next week.